Hello, everybody. Welcome to One Drink, a podcast where we talk about one topic for one drink. I'm Oliver. I'm Matthew. And today on our history show, we are featuring two weeks. Oh, uh, we yeah. are going from uh, September 6th mm-hmm. to September 19th. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot so of info. Big one. Yeah, a lot of info. Got a big one today. Yeah, as well, of course, as two Medal of Honor stories. Yeah, can't forget that. No, 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 never. Um, a lot of stuff going down in September. Oh yeah, a lot of big stuff. Yeah, a lot of big stuff. Um, and we're gonna start here, September sixth, nineteen sixteen. All right. First true supermarket, the Piggly Wiggly. Have you been to one of these? Yes, many of them. When I lived down, down in south, Georgia, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, when okay. I lived down south. Yep. So when I visited Florida. I was like, man, there's what's up with these Piggly Wigglies? There was that and um, Kroger's. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I wasn't seeing Wegmans or Tops. I'm seeing nah. Piggly Wiggly and, and Kroger's. Yeah. yeah, and then there's Publix down there. Publix, too, which is like the that's like their the one. wish it was Wegmans yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. You know, it's like a little fancier. Yes, that was it. Uh, it's opened uh, Clarence Saunders in Memphis, Tennessee. Its first outlet opened in 1916. Uh, it is notable for having been the first true self-service grocery store and the originator of various familiar supermarket features, such as checkout stands, individual item price marketing, and shopping carts. It's hmm. pretty cool. So it was the original. Yeah, it was you the walk benchmark. In. It was the benchmark. Yeah. Yeah. For all supermarkets. And that thing, the Piggly Wiggly, is still oh, yeah. around and relevant to this day. Yep. That's pretty cool. Bigger down south. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, they're not up here. No. No. No, it's definitely a southern chain. Yep. All right, I'm going to take us to September 7th, 1822. Brazil <clears throat> declared its independence from Portugal mm. after 322 years as a, as, a, as a Portuguese colony. 322 years. Yeah, hell took them so long. <laughs> right. Shit must have been good, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Queen should have learned from them. Oh. Could have still had the states. Yeah. Suckers. Man, she could have ruled the world. Dude. I mean, if... Yeah. Golly. All right. September 8th, 1966, Star Trek. First premiere on NBC TV starring William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. So I never loved Star Trek, Mm -hmm. but I used to watch it with my dad all the time when I was a kid. However, I do love the new movies that they made. Like the new series of them that they made like a few years ago. Yep, I, I caught, thought those were really. I good. caught one of the movies. I never was a Star Trek fan, um, but um, nineteen sixty six is when it started, and still to this day they're yeah. still making and remaking um, movies. Yeah. And I think they even have. A, oh yeah, there's a ton of different shows too. That a new cartoon series that they have out, mm-hmm. and so it's still huge. Yeah, to this day, and yeah. you know when you go to the. Um, Comic shows or the events that they have, mm-hmm. you know, like Comic Cons, they have, you know, all oh, yeah. over the world. Star Trek is still like one of the number one. Yeah, um, it's been going on for fifty five years. It's like James Bond. It'll it's one of those things that'll just never die. Star Trek. Yep, Star Trek. Man, and you know they always uh, wasn't it the Star Trek and Star Wars like. Were they ever in competition, or was it, you know... I mean, you were either a Star Wars guy or, or a Star Trek guy. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. It was kind of one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to take us to September 9th, 1776. Well, big date for us as, as Americans. Yeah. The United States came into official existence as the Continental Congress nice. changed the name of the new American nation from the United Colonies to the United States. I like it. Yeah. 
USA. Good Officially on paper. USA. USA. Wow. USA. 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 You know that they were doing that shit too oh in Philly or God. something. The whole. Oh yeah, everybody. Everybody, everybody was doing that shit except the queen. <clears throat> I know. She's like, bitches. I should own you. Right. Um. So September tenth, nineteen fifty-three. Okay. This is a game changer. Game changer. All right. Like Swanson sells its first TV dinner. Ooh. You remember those suckers? Yeah, I remember. I remember. <laughs> Been burning pallets since 1953, dude. I remember when they... Dude, bur- the time that they said the microwave them shits, dude, was way too much, man. And you had to poke a hole in your That is... <laughs> Dude, and that little paper, that little plastic that you that peel off, the steam always yeah. getting way too hot, dude. They're always like poke a hole in it. Yeah, and then and then that turkey meat or whatever it was, <laughs> would always have that weird crust around it because it was in there for too long. Oh yes, yeah, so lots of TV dinners were the first commercially successful frozen meal. More than ten million TV dinners were sold during the first year of Swanson's national distribution. For ninety-eight cents per customer, were able to choose among Salisbury steak. Delicious. Salisbury steak. <laughs> Meatloaf, fried chicken, or turkey? Served turkey! The worst. <laughs> served with potatoes and bright green peas. Special desserts were added later. I remember the brownies were up in there. <laughs> Tasting like gravy, though, because some of that shit would get uh, over there on there. I remember my mom one time, she, was, she went shopping, and she's like, hey... I didn't cook dinner tonight, so we're going to have these. And she's yeah, like, some yeah, have some of this. And I was like, what the fuck, <laughs> what is, the this? fuck is this? <laughs> oh. oh, so TV dinners. TV dinners. Killing right. it. <laughs> well, I'm going to take us to a fateful day that all of us remember. Uh, September 11th, 2001. Mm, for sure. Which is crazy to me that we just celebrated the 20th anniversary mm. of that. It feels like it was like it just happened. I know. It's um, weird. Yeah. So, this is a bit of a long one, but I feel like we need to pay homage to, to that sure. day. Uh, so, the world's uh, the worst terror attack in the United States history <clears throat> occurred as four large passenger jets were hijacked, then crashed, killing nearly 3,000 people. Four separate teams uh, of Middle East terrorists operating from inside the U.S. boarded the morning flights, posing as passengers, then forcibly commandeered the aircrafts. Two fully-fueled jumbo jets, American Airlines Flight 11, carrying 92 people, and United Airlines Flight 175, carrying 65 people, had departed Boston for Los Angeles. Both jets were, um, were deviate, diverted by hijackers to New York City, uh, where they were piloted into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center. The impact and subsequent fire caused both 110-story towers to collapse killing 2,752 people, including hundreds of rescue workers and people employed in the towers. In addition, United <clears throat> Airlines Flight 93, which had departed Newark for San Francisco, and American Airlines Flight 77, which departed uh, from Virginia for Los Angeles, also were hijacked. Flight 77, with 64 people on board, was diverted to Washington, D.C., then piloted into the Pentagon building, killing everyone on board, and 125 military personnel inside the building. Flight 93, with 44 people on board, was diverted towards Washington, but crashed into a field in Pennsylvania after passengers attempted to overpower the terrorists on board. That was probably one of... is the most craziest thing I have ever seen. Same. 
Same. Arguably one of the most devastating days that I've ever been through mm-hmm. or seen this country go through. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember I was in ninth grade history class. The vice principal walked in, um, told my teacher, and then they told us, and then they took us up to the physics lab, which was really big, so they took a bunch of classes up there. They, you know, put it on the TV, mm-hmm. and we watched the news coverage for a little while, and yeah. then they sent us all home halfway through the day. Yeah. Um, you know, because they were worried about, I mean, everything. Yeah. And, you know, nobody knew what was going on. It was pandemonium in this country that morning. It was... <clears throat> yeah, so, like, you think, oh, my God, if that just happened, for the next, I would say, week... You didn't, like, if they could do that. Right. What else can they do? Uh, well, you know, because a lot of people were talking about, like, uh, chemical warfare and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And dirty it, bombs and all that stuff. It was just so unknown to, like, you know, what the hell is going to happen next? But yeah. By far the most craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And also, um, I want to say maybe a year or two years after, it probably was two years. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Me and my friends had went down to New York City to visit a friend, and we had went into the city. And uh, so we got to walk by, you know, where all the damage was, but they had it fenced off, you know? And just to see it, how yeah. big it was, mm-hmm. like, it was just yep. mind-blowing. I've been down there, uh, I was down there a couple years ago, um, and now in the footprint where the buildings were, mm-hmm. um, there's a memorial. Yeah, I saw where that they both TV. were, and just the the space it's that it camp, covered it? is unbelievable. Yeah. But the museum for it, or the memorial, whatever you want to call it, yeah. is down underground, so oh. it's underneath the footprint or where they where they used to be. Mm-hmm. Some of the original um, um, supports for the building, which were you know anchored, obviously yeah. very deep underground are still there. So, like, that museum or walkthrough, you know, the big memorial for everything... That's cool. ...is, like, you can... It, it's, it's like, integrated into yeah. the area. It's it's It's, it's almost built around It's those. an eerie, eerie thing, though. Is it? Because it's yeah. very quiet, and it's dimly lit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's no music playing. You know what I mean? Everybody yeah. is very quiet, very somber, and it's not like there's just... You know, it's not yeah. like going to Strong Museum. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, it's lively, and it's, you know, it's very... You're there to pay. You know. Yeah, you know it's oh, it's crazy. It's it's nuts. Yeah, but always, no matter how long we do the show, that we will go over that every single year. Yes, for sure, that is a guarantee. Um, so we're gonna go to September fourteenth, eighteen sixty-eight. Golf's first recorded hole in one Ooh. by Tom Morris at Prestwick's eighth hole in Scotland. Nice. It's cool that he did it in Scotland, too. Yeah. Like, the home of golf. That's where it all started. Yeah. And yeah. Well, you know there was probably some before that, but they decided to record the first one in Scotland. Because, True. You know. <laughs> but the thing is, is... It is skill and it is luck at the same time. To get it's it. definitely both. Yeah. It's definitely a combination of both. Right. Because it is so hard to do. You know, well, if you ever hit a hole in, because you're a golfer, I am. If you ever hit a hole in one, oh. will you continue to golf or are you done? I always told myself I would stop golfing because yeah. that would be my last right, shot. The pinnacle of your whole career. I used to golf. My last shot was a hole in one. Right. 
But and I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. But I'm so addicted. But the one thing I do do is <laughs> do do. <laughs> I was like, why did I say that? <laughs> but I bring the GoPro. Yeah. And I put it on my cart. Yeah. And every par three, I film. So just if I, in case, if I do hit it, I could pick it up and I could run up the thing, so you can see, you know, just the whole thing because. If I told you I hit a hole in one, I'd never believe you. Exactly. You may be like, oh, yeah. Even if you were like, oh, that's my buddy that I was golfing with, I'd be like, I don't believe that dick either, dude. Because <laughs> it'd probably be Adam or Ross or something. I'd be like, man, I ain't going to believe them. Yeah. Asses. So I purposely um, I bring out the old GoPro. That's pretty. That's a good idea. Yeah. Good and idea. I always thought, though, like, wouldn't this be a good idea? So to own a bar, yes, it's tough to do. But say you go through all the things and you can open a bar, right? Mm-hmm. Just to have like a hole in one um, little green in the back, 100 yards, you know, whatever. You know, if you hit a hole in one. Free bar tap. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you video it and then you give them the video. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. All right. So I'm going to take us to September 13th, 1971. Bit of local history. I like it. Uh, state police and National Guardsmen stormed Attica Prison mm. in New York State, ending a five-day prisoner's revolt. 31 prisoners and 11 guards were killed. Yeah. I just saw some uh, highlights about that on TV. Yeah. That was crazy. people died. Yeah. How long was that? It was, it, like, it was exactly 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. But it lasted like... Five days. Five days. Five-day standoff. Of just prisoners owning... The prison. Much the prison. Yeah. Yeah. I had a regular of mine at the restaurant who was a rookie state police trooper. Oh, um, God. During the riots, and he was there. Like, outside was the prison. He was just like, what the yeah. hell is he said going on? He said it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's crazy. September 18th, 1963. This is strange. But that that's why we're here, to give you the strange history. USSR orders 58.5 million barrels of cereal from Australia. And they delivered it. 58. <laughs> That's a lot of cereal, dude. 58 million barrels of cereal. So My it was God. to feed the country, you know, like the poor and all that. Yeah, well. But, um... Probably it was good cereal. It's probably like so in my brand. You know what I mean? Like, like boring as Cheerios. Right. <laughs> but like some weird knockoff from Australia. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was thinking Maybe about it's called Rouge. <laughs> I was thinking in my head too. I was like, hmm, I wonder what cereal it was. Because I mean, God, it had to be terrible. Yeah, nineteen sixty-three. Was there Frosted Flakes? No, the fucking Soviets weren't gonna fucking order no. <clears throat> no, you know, Frosted Mini Wheats. Uh, you know? And that's probably what it was too. Yeah, without the <laughs> or just frosting, oatmeal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Take this cheap uh, shit. <clears throat> all right, so this one's crazy. So I have no idea who this is, but <clears throat> this shit is just nuts. <clears throat> it's like straight out of a movie. <clears throat> September fourteenth, nineteen twenty-seven. In Nice, France, famed ballet dancer Isadora Duncan, never heard of her before, was killed in a freak accident as the long scarf she was wearing became caught in the moving wheel of the car in which she was riding, strangling her to death. Oh my god. So, like, it was either flying outside of the car or got stuck in the door, Yeah. got wrapped around the wheel, and 
strangled her to death. Oh my god! See, that's why you always carry a pocket knife. Mm-hmm. That's why you always carry a pocket knife. I started doing that, dude. Always, always carry a pocket knife. I started doing that a lot recently. Yeah, just gotta have one, dude. No matter what, gotta have one. You never know if you're gonna get strangled by your own scarf. And that's car. crazy because I mean. She just put that scarf on. She's like, oh, damn. Right. I oh, good. I look beautiful. Yeah. All right. Oh. Dead. Dead. Watch out, ladies, with your scarves. Right. Winter's coming up. Right. Although I did used to... You p- should watch out, man. I did pimp some scarves right. back in the day. I know. I think I still have one of them, too. One of them I jacked one night. I remember that. You were like, dude, scarf's dope. <sighs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> I, stick, I, I, I promise you I still have that Because I think it like matched it. was a great scar. It did it. Yeah, that's yeah. what I had on. Exactly. It was great. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to go to September 15th, 1913. Rochester, New York. Stand up. You ready for this? No. I might sit down. First U.S. Milch Goat Show held in Rochester, New York. I'm not from here. Woohoo! I'm not from here. So, um... Obviously, we've talked before back in the uh, on other shows that Rochester used to just be farms. Yeah. Just all farms, yep. and that was it. Yeah. And the Genesee River. Yeah. So, with that said, they were like, hey. Let's do a goat show. Let's have a fucking goat show. Yeah. And just for, for clarification, <laughs> milch goat is just a type of goat. Right. Um, they can survive on kind of meager rations <clears throat> in lands where cows like can't like get enough food. Yeah. Uh, we thought it was something way cooler, so we Googled it earlier, and it yeah. turns out it's just a fucking goat. So it's just a goat. First goat show ever. Yeah. Rochester, New York. Awesome. Was S- it? Was it recorded? Mm, it was recorded. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's never, never gonna, gonna get myself old. live that one down. Never gonna get old, my friend. Alright, so my final history fact for today, <laughs> September 16th, 1620. God, the Mayflower ship departed from England bound for America with 102 passengers and small crew. The ship weathered dangerous Atlantic storms and reached Providence, Massachusetts on November 21st. Hey, hey. The pilgrims disembarked at um, Plymouth on December 26th. Damn. Yeah, so they spent a month at sea yep. in the middle of winter. On the Atlantic Ocean, mm. you'd think they would have just waited till spring. Should have. You know I... how cold that must have been, bro. Like, you know how like you, you spent go... thirty-five days in the ocean on a wooden ship with the wind just, you know that like on a sailboat, dude. Yeah, yeah. So if you go down to like the beach where we cold live, as fuck, the temperature drops. <laughs> cold as fuck, and then you get to the beach and you're like, you know, here it's like eighty. Dude, you get that little water, though. You ever gone down there, like, towards the winter, like, on the pier? Yeah. And you get that little bit of water that just touches your... It's freezing, dude. (laughs) Imagine doing that for 35 straight days, just standing on the pier. You're just... In the middle of winter, right. Right. Stuck. 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 And then you get somewhere, and there ain't shit. And then you get there, and you gotta build your own house. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck that, dude. Well, thanks. Oh, but they did it. Well, thanks. But they did it. They did. All right. It is time for one of my favorite parts of the show. Yep. Honoring these heroes with the Medal of Honor stories. Yep. Um, I'm going to kick it off with uh, Vietnam War, U.S. Marine Corps, Private, First Class, D. Wayne Thomas Williams. All right. 
Williams was a member of the combat patrol sent out from the platoon with the mission of establishing position in the company's area of operations, which uh, it could intercept and destroy enemy sniper teams operating in the area. So that's a normal thing. Yep. Getting established, you gotta gotta yep. go. Get your position. Yep. <clears throat> in the night as he patrol was preparing to move from its daylight position to a pre-selected night position, it was attacked from ambush by a squad of enemies using small arms and hand grenades. Common. Although severely wounded by the uh, in the back by a close intense fire, uh, Williams, recognizing the danger uh, to the patrol, immediately began to crawl forward toward toward a good firing position. While he was moving under the continuing intense fire, he heard one of the members of the patrol sound uh, the alert that the enemy grenade had landed in their position. So, yeah, common common reaction here. Reacting instantly to the alert, he saw the grenade that had landed close where he was lying without hesitation and valiant act uh, of heroism, rolled on top of the grenade as it exploded, absorbing the full and tremendous impact of the explosion with his body. Through his extraordinary initiatives and inspiring valor in the face of certain death, he saved the other members of his patrol from serious injury and possibly loss of life, and enabled them to successfully defeat the attackers and hold the position until assistance arrived. His personal heroism and devotion to the duty upheld the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the U.S. Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. Damn. That's crazy. We hear these stories of these guys just literally throwing themselves on grenades. And he was already wounded. Already messed up. Yeah. yeah, so he was just like... And the thing that I do love about this, or for most of these stories, um, not that they lost their life, but they, for their actions, most of the time they're able to complete what they went there for. Right. You know what I mean? So, yep. like, he changed... The course of that battle, yeah. yeah. That's Which nuts. most of them do, always. Yeah. <clears throat> Inspiring. Yes. All right. I'm going to take us to Major Patrick Henry Brady, U.S. Army, also Vietnam. Mm. Uh, Major Brady distinguished himself while serving in the Republic of Vietnam, uh, commanding a UH-1H ambulance helicopter, volunteered to rescue wounded men, Oh, from sure. a site in enemy-held territory, which was reported to be heavily defended and to be blanketed by fog. To reach the site, he descended through the heavy fog and smoke and hovered slowly along a valley trail, turning his ship sidewards to blow away fog with the backwash from the rotor blades. So not only is he in in heavily, under heavy, like in a heavily yeah. fortified place... Right. He's swaying the chopper like this, side to side, to blow the fog away so that the guys trying to get to it can friggin' see. That's nuts. And this is the first helicopter story that we've had. Yeah. Or at least, yeah, that started in a helicopter. That started in a helicopter, yeah. Um, Despite the unchallenged, close-ranged enemy fire, he found the dangerously small site where he successfully landed and evacuated two badly wounded... South Vietnamese soldiers. He was then called to another area completely covered by dense fog where American casualties lay only 50 meters from the enemy. Two aircraft had previously been shot down and others had made unsuccessful attempts to reach the site earlier in the day. With unmatched skill and extraordinary courage, Major Bradley made four flights to this embattled 
landing zone and successfully rescued all the wounded. See, now that's awesome. So these wounded and 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 dead soldiers were only 50 meters away wow. from the at 50 yards. And he swooped down. And he swooped four times where two other plane uh, other helicopters went down. Yeah, yeah. He went in four so different he's, time. He's a beast. He's, talented. he's a beast. Yeah. yeah. Um, Major, uh, okay, on his third mission of the day, Major Brady once again landed at a site surrounded by the enemy. The friendly ground force, pinned down by enemy fire, had been unable to reach and secure the landing zone. Although his aircraft had been badly damaged and his controls partially shot away during his initial entry into the area, he returned minutes later and rescued the remaining injured. (laughs) Shortly thereafter, obtaining a replacement aircraft, Major Brady was requested to land in an enemy minefield where a platoon of American soldiers was trapped. A mine detonated near his helicopter, wounding two crew members and damaging the ship. In spite of this, he managed to fly six severely injured patients to medical aid. Yes. Throughout the day, Major Brady utilized three helicopters to evacuate a total of 51 seriously wounded men, many of whom would have perished without prompt medical treatment. Major Brady's bravery was in the highest traditions of the military service and reflects great credit upon himself and the U.S. Army. That's a great story. Dude, this guy blew through three different helicopters. That's a movie right there. Got, yeah, You dude, know what I mean? Like, gotta be. <clears throat> nuts. But that's a great, great story. Whew. Holy cow. Just a badass pilot, dude. And the thing is, is when you are in a helicopter, you're, of course, under pressure. You know, he knew the helicopter. He just knew it. Oh, yeah. He knows everything about a helicopter. Yeah. And to, you know, for it to be getting shot at or, you know, it just takes one little. Dude, the controls got partially blown away in one one of them, dude. And still able to. To get back and to fly in the fog. In the fog. While getting shot at. Yeah. Like, a dozen different times. That's amazing. Dude, and in all of that, like, <clears throat> three helicopters. Yeah. One got too damaged and flew back. Got another one. That one got damaged. Give me another one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And that's the thing I love, too, is he was like, I'm not leaving. Right. I'm, I'm going to get all of them. Yeah. Right. And he, he did. He got <laughs> every single saying. one of them, too. Oh, man. That was a crazy. Story. So a lot of, lot of people got home to their families because of that guy. That day, 51 seriously wounded soldiers. <clears throat> I mean, all of these could be movies, but there's certain ones that stick out. Right. You know, you're just yeah. like, oh, man, I yeah. could imagine that being like a yeah, a well-directed mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But, it's yeah, crazy. first helicopter. For, yeah, the first, like, yeah, like, real helicopter story. Sweet. Yeah. But, yeah, but anyways, guys, that is our history and our Medal of Honor stories for this week. Don't forget, yes. you can check these out every single Monday here on our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. as well as our full-length shows every Wednesday. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, click the bell notification to be the first ones notified when our new episodes hit. Yes. And please share with one person. Right. Just one. Simple. Maybe the Queen of England. Yes. If you're wondering why we keep making all these references to the Queen of England, yep. just have to come back on Wednesday and check out our show about... QE2. You are not going to want to miss the crazy stuff right. you are going to hear. Dude, we're talking ATMs and diamonds this big. Oh, my no God. joke. My no mind joke. was blown. And you just got to watch it's it. A, it's a good show. You got to watch it. So be sure For to sure. check that one out on Wednesday. <laughs> but, anyways, guys, from us to you, 
Cheers. What's up, guys? Matt and Oliver here from One Drink Podcast, and today we have a special shout-out. Yes, so if you are out and about in Rochester and we see you wearing one of Alex's shirts, hoodies, anything, we will buy you one drink, we'll take a picture, and... On both social media, yeah, and both Gods and Gladiators and One Drink Podcast, yeah, share the love, share the love. 